Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell. Great to have you with us each and every weekend here on KSIM and KZIM. Uh, we always like to talk about local issues, local things going on. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is an organization that's been in Southeast Missouri for a long time now and has helped tons of people in southeast missouri and is always looking for people to help them help others and so we're talking about the semo food bank today and we're talking with the president and ceo joey keys of the of the semo food bank joey thanks for being on the show glad to be here glenn so um for those that aren't familiar with semo food bank tell us you know what is semo food bank what's its purpose how does it work so Southeast Missouri Food Bank has been in the area for 35 years. Last year was actually our 35th anniversary. Um, and what we are, we're the Feeding America-affiliated food bank serving 16 counties in Southeast Missouri. So what we do, we acquire food in bulk mass and other household items and other items that people may be in need of, and we distribute it through our network of agencies, which we have 140 of those, and we also have our direct programs that we also oversee and run in our 16 counties. Wow, that is uh, amazing. I mean, if you think about the network that's been created over the 35 years and how many places you serve food, I mean, this happens on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah, we we serve seven of the 10 neediest counties in the state. Um, so even pre-COVID, we were serving some of the highest need areas um, in the state of Missouri and also for most of the, a lot of the country. You know, sometimes when you live in an area, Joey, you don't really know all of the different organizations and exactly what they do. And as you mentioned, Southeast Missouri Food Bank's been around for 35 years. A bulk of that has been in the Sykeston area. And now you guys have the big building right off I-55, and people see it every day but don't really realize, you know, what's happening there. And, and you guys are essentially mobilizing daily. And what's really amazing, I think, is that a, a large part of your organization is volunteer organ uh, pe- people volunteering to come in and help out? That's very true, Glenn. We re- we rely very heavily on our volunteer force, and unfortunately, with COVID, we really started getting volunteers in the doors. Um, we were fortunate to receive National Guard help, and they are still here today. But we're really making a push to get volunteers back in the doors. We have some safety protectors we can put up. We do temperature checks. Uh, we make sure that you know if you come to the building, you're as safe as can be. And we really are looking for volunteers at the moment to help pack our senior boxes, which are for our senior citizens that are below poverty level, as well as we're still doing drive-through mobile food distributions so people can low contact, safer. Um, We're packing disaster boxes for those as well. So we do have a lot of volunteer opportunities right now for anyone looking to volunteer. I was going to try to save some of this for later, but it's it's just too hard to avoid. And you mentioned and that's COVID. And, and COVID has uh, changed a lot of organizations and how they do things. Um, how has the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, how has that affected Southeast Missouri Food Bank? So before COVID, food insecurity rates were at the lowest levels in 20 years nationally. So we were making some good progress on hunger in America. Um, but after COVID hit, that really knocked a lot of a lot of people down. Um, people are still struggling now to gain full employment, or they're playing catch up from when they were unemployed. And you know, a lot of those service industry jobs still aren't really fully functioning yet, or they're not back to their full capacity. Um, so we are still seeing a lot of ramifications from COVID, uh, particularly early on in COVID and throughout last year. Um, we really were serving a much greater 
number than we typically serve. So in 2019, we averaged about 60,000 individuals per month that we were serving. And for the final, from March to December of last year, we averaged about 85,000 people per month. So that's over a 40% increase year over year. Wow. Um, that is amazing. I mean, we hear about, uh, you know, how bad things are, but until you hear numbers like that, you don't realize, man, there's a lot of people in need right now. There really is, and um, you would really see it with our mobile distributions and our food pantry lines. You know, you saw it on TV at some of the, you know, Texas food banks and California food banks, but we had long lines here. Uh, we would have mobile food distributions that were supposed to start at maybe, let's say, 10 o'clock, and we'd have lines of cars at 8 o'clock, and food would be gone before the start time was even supposed to begin. Wow. And it just seemed like there were uh, a lot of people stepping up to put on these mobile food pantries. Yes, we had some great response from partners in the community, churches, other civic organizations, our agencies. You know, it really takes a network to meet this need because it it is widespread. And with the people that we serve, there are a lot of transportation issues. So we have tried to hit a lot of the communities the best we can and really spread out our region footprint to make sure we're getting the food to where the people are in need. You mentioned that you know, volunteers, you really need volunteers. How did the pandemic affect the ability for people to come and volunteer? Or I guess another part of that is, were there people that just didn't want to come volunteer because of the pandemic? Well, we did close volunteer services for a short time during the height of the pandemic, which I know is still going on. Um, so we did have a little a short time where we did not accept volunteers. We had National Guard help, and we were able to get temporary workers with a grant from Missouri Foundation for Health to pay the temporary workers that were out of work to come and take over our volunteer services. Um, That grant has now ended, so we really are looking to increase the volunteer capacity again. And I know you kind of touched on, did people not want to come back to the building? Um, To an extent, yes, a lot of our volunteers, they are, you know, they're seniors, and so they're in the high-risk category, and we receive a lot of, you know, school basketball teams or sports teams or FBLA, you know, with school districts, you know, they're taking great precautions too. And so that really took a hit for our volunteer services. I know I've seen, I think the SEMA women's basketball team has been there to volunteer. I've seen that on your Facebook page and, and, uh, and some others. And boy, that's really good when you have those organizations say, Hey, they need help. We're going to go do this. And, and we're, we feel safe being able to do this. Yes. And, um, we are, I guess we're doing, taking as many precautions as possible uh, with our volunteers. We're looking at getting about three to four groups in per week. And with the pandemic, we were looking at, we were getting probably like one to two in a month. So that's a pretty big, pretty big gap on our volunteer. But like I said, fortunately for the National Guard here for the, a good duration of the pandemic to help us with these volunteer services. And how much longer are they going to be able to help, do you know? Um, as of right now, it's looking at possibly until March. But if they get other orders, they could be before that. Of course, we're all hoping this thing goes away soon, but uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to going to happen that way. But obviously, this has been—I I, got to think—stressful uh, in a way to for you guys trying to figure out how to do everything. Talk about how having to change things to make things safe for people to volunteer there. I mean, that alone, all the things that you have to do—the cleaning, the special protection, all those things—that alone has to be a little daunting. Yeah, our number one priority is keeping our staff, our volunteers, our agencies that are you know helping us, and our people facing hunger safe. 
Um, so early on in the pandemic, we switched to drive-through mobile food distributions at, mo- at anywhere that we could. Um, you know, we run a pantry in Sykeson called Good Neighbor Pantry. That's been drive-through since March or April. Um, so what that is, it allows the people that need food assistance, they can just drive their car up, and the volunteers place the boxes in their trunk, and they can just go on after they receive their food. So it limits the contact, and it's probably the safest safest way. And it's also turned out to be pretty efficient as well. Um, so that, that is a positive that we've learned, that it may be a way to help people receive food assistance a little quicker than having to go through a line, get out of their cars. And a lot of them, you know, we do serve a lot of seniors, and at times the, the food they receive can be heavy for them, and they may have, you know, trouble getting it to their vehicles. And I've heard this from other organizations who, you know, aren't happy with how things have gone and, and obviously would like to see things back to normal. But at the same time, because of the changes they've had to implement because of COVID, they've actually found some more efficient ways to do things simply because they had to change. Have you guys found that to be the case as well? Yes, we definitely had to get um, creative on our routes. We had to get creative on our loading of our trucks because our agencies, you know, they needed more food to serve more people. We had to get creative on doing the food distributions because not everywhere has cold storage. So we had to get creative on which places could handle cold storage, which places could not handle cold storage um, because refrigeration is an issue when you're trying to, you know, follow also food safety practices. Um, and we definitely learned what our max is. Uh, well, our max, we, we learned how far we could stretch. Um, we distributed almost 3.5 million more pounds of food in 2020 versus 2019. Almost 16.5 million pounds of food went out of, went through these doors last year, which is a lot of food. Wow. That is unbelievable. And, and again, we, we, we hear how bad things are, but if you're not feeling the effects of that, you don't really realize it until you hear numbers like this. You know, the amount of people that you're, you know, uh, families that you're helping out on a monthly basis, the amount of food that's going out. And in and, and all of this, you guys are being stretched, as, as you put it, but at the same time, you know you've got this really important job to do, and you guys just keep moving forward. And and uh, it says a lot about you and your team, how you guys have been able to find ways to continue to work for the people of Southeast Missouri. Yeah, that's correct. And we've, we we utilize our partners to the, to the best that we can. Uh, we added some new partners this year. We looked for new mobile food pantry sites um, just to make sure we were reaching all areas that we could reach. Um, you know, we have a pretty pretty small staff for the amount of food that we that we run through the through the place and we distribute out to our agencies, uh, but we really do, we do have a really good network that really supports us and they are, you know, they're in it to really make a difference and help families and seniors and veterans that are really struggling and it was just amplified by you know the COVID nineteen pandemic. You've been kind of telling us about how you're stretched thin on on personnel and um, how you kind of found your limits in certain areas and and volunteers and that sort of thing. But you're giving out so much more food now. And, and I guess the question that maybe people have that I have is how has that stretched you in trying to get enough food in order to do, continue to do the things that you do, but also to help out this greater number of people? Yeah, Glenn, that has been a challenge. Um, two of our largest food drives last year were canceled. Um, Stamp Out Hunger, which is the postal workers' food drive, and Scouting for Food, which is the Boy Scouts' food drive. Um, which both were kind of pivoted to an online uh, virtual food drive, which was good, but did not have the participation that you know a typical food drive would have. Um, so we did have some challenges. Some of the food drive in-person in-person events were obviously you know pretty much put on hold or non-existent. Uh, we we actually spent 
three times more on food purchases in 2020 than we did in 2019, um, just because some of our donations were lower because of the in-person events and the larger food drives couldn't be held. Um, but fortunately, we you know we did have you know a lot of community members stepped up with very good donations to help us offset and pay for this these food expenses because like like consumers at the grocery store, we were also seeing substantial increase in prices, long delivery times. Um, so it really took a lot of planning up front to make sure that we had plenty of inventory in stock to be able to have these mobile food distributions and make sure our agency shelves were stocked with food when people went to their open hours. Yeah, and you bring up another great point because I I was at the grocery store recently and went down a couple of aisles and noticed how much product was not on the shelves. And, you know, they're talking about how it's been difficult during the pandemic because, you know, you have some factories that shut down for a little while because they have an outbreak or something, and that's really kind of hurt some of the food supplies, and it sounds like it's it's kind of made your job a little more difficult too. It definitely did. Um it it has gotten better. I will say it has definitely improved. Um in midsummer, early fall, we really were still seeing some prices double and tripling for our peanut butter, which is a staple item. Um, we were seeing truckloads being offered for like seventy-five thousand dollars, wow. which is you know a lot of a lot of money for a nonprofit our size, um, which is about twenty-five thousand dollars more than what a typical truckload of peanut butter would cost. So we were seeing those type of prices because you know we're we're bringing. We're bringing product in at a very large bulk. So we're we're buying in truckloads. That way, we can use that for our agencies as well as our mobile food pantries to get to 16 counties. Um, so we definitely saw some ramifications of the logistical struggles that everyone was seeing. Every grocery store, you know, people were buying stuff off the shelves. Like you said, some factories were closing down, so that limited supply. Um, you know, people that we serve, they they don't just need food assistance. They also a lot of times need assistance for personal hygiene products, which is, you know, very important. SNAP doesn't pay for those type of products, and they're very expensive. Um, so fortunately, we have a partnership with P&G, and we were able to provide um, some toilet paper, paper towels to some of our agencies as well as some of our other partners. Yeah, and it's amazing. I, as I mentioned, some of the aisles were empty. One of those aisles that was very empty was the cleaning supply aisles. Like, there was hardly anything up there, and it's because people are just buying it all up and because they're so hard to get right now. And it's just really people don't truly understand and realize what the pandemic has done in our country and into the economy and to organizations like yours where you're sometimes struggling to find the product or to even pay for the product. That's amazing to me. $75,000 for peanut butter is, and I know it's a truckload, but still that's that's an amazing amount of money for one product. It really is. Um, and when you think about it, you know, if you go to the grocery store, how much do you spend on one cart of groceries? So then amplify that by a full truckload, and that's the prices that, you know, we were seeing when we were trying to keep our shelves stocked. So it sounds to me like one of the ways that people could help, Joey, is maybe some food drives to help replenish some of your, um, you know, food products or even cleaning supply products. Yeah, food drives are a great way to get, you know, people involved. Um, food drives, volunteer also don- donating of time and money, that's really, the, that's really the keys that keep us going. Now, you mentioned partners. So tell us what, what a partner is, and then how can someone be a partner? So we have partner agencies, which is our network of agencies, which is nonprofits like women's shelters, soup kitchens, um, other social service agencies, and they, they serve people that align with our mission of you know, reducing the severity of hunger in our area. So when they're an agency, 
they have to be, we monitor them. We make sure you know their food supply is kept, you know, first in, first out. We make sure that they're following all food safety practices. Um, so we do qualify the individual, the, the potential partner before they sign up, and then they're able to order food from us throughout throughout the year, and he helps to keep their shelves stocked. And the other ways to partner with us is through mobile food pantry distributions. Um, with those, you can sponsor with us, and then we'll bring food to your location, and we provide it to different areas, or it might be a church, a business, whatever it may be. It's just a good way to partner and help get food to other parts of the community that maybe we're we're not getting a, having a mobile scheduled at at that time. Yeah, I've seen several churches do that in the area. I've seen businesses like Semo Electric do that and some others, uh, which is nice when you have those group organizations or even businesses stepping up to help out like that. It is. It also gives a great chance for, if you're a business, you can. it's a great volunteer opportunity for your employees, and they can then see... You know, they can see the corporate partnership in action and see how their company is putting their money to use to help those neighbors and citizens in need. And, that, and that's a great point, too, Joey, is that we got to remember that we're, we're helping out all of our neighbors. I mean, this isn't people that we don't know. These are, these are our neighbors. They, you know, we know a lot of these people, and, and there are so many out there right now going through what they're going through that need this help and volunteering uh, is a big part of what you guys do and you really get you really need people to come in and help talk about what it is that that they would do when they come in and um, how they can call or help or, or you know set up some time to volunteer yeah so to volunteer here uh, the main volunteer activity would be filling senior boxes of food, which is we serve over 5,000 seniors per month with senior boxes. Um, and then we also are still packing a lot of the mobile food pantry distributions. So they'd be packing disaster relief boxes, which are COVID relief boxes, and senior boxes on site. Um, but I also encourage you, if there's a pantry in your area, don't be afraid to reach out to your pantry as well because they rely heavily on volunteers, and they're always looking too. So if you're in... You know, if you're further south or further north, you're not close to the food bank, don't be afraid to reach out to your local pantry because they could probably use your help as well when they have food distributions. That's a great point. I mean, you're kind of the the hub, if you will, of all these uh, distribution places in southeast Missouri, but those places need the help too. And I think if memory serves me right, on your website, don't you have a list or am I wrong? We do have a list on our website, and you can search by zip code, county, um, city, um, and then we do, we have a hundred. There's 140 agencies listed on our website. Wow, that is unbelievable. 140 agencies in the in all the counties that you serve in Southeast Missouri, and it really is. Uh, and I hate I hate to use this word again, but just unbelievable all the work that you guys do and how it's ramped up over the past year or so. And Joey, I know uh, there's a lot of people that appreciate you and your organization and, and what you do, uh, but I want to give you one last chance to, to put out a plea out there. If anybody wants to help uh, the Boot Hill, uh, excuse me, the, the Southeast Missouri Food Bank, and they want to volunteer or they want to give uh, money or they want to give food, what's the number they call? How can they help? Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks again, Glenn. Um, to volunteer, donate time, money, whatever, you know, however we're looking to help, we can connect you with, if you need help, we can connect you with help. Um, if you want to volunteer, the number is 573-471-1818. Website is cmofoodbank.org, and you can learn a lot more about the organization, all the programs that we run, like backpack program, pharmacy program. Um, there's many programs that we, that we use here to serve 
you know, students in need with backpacks, people with health disparities with the pharmacy program. Uh, we do have a lot of programs that you'd be surprised that we really put a lot of time and effort into. Well, Joy, I, I appreciate the time, and you, you brought up another good point, uh, and that's the people that also need help, and they need to make that phone call, too. But uh, listen, anytime that we can do something, please let us know. Joey, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate it. Joey Keys, the president and CEO of the Southeast Missouri Food Bank. Uh, give them a call. Help out. They, they need it, and uh, so do your neighbors. Hey, thanks for being on the show. We'll see you next weekend on the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell.